sedimentary my dear a conversational podcast about all things geology i'm your host ellen and i'm jane what are we talking about today well i think we're going to talk about something that's a little filthy um <laughs> but i think it should be safe a little for our, our all-rated audience here <laughs> because we're going to talk about some dirt what um, yeah we're going to talk about some dirt today now i know that i had promised you guys a glaciers part two episode but I think we're going to postpone that because, honestly, it's spring now and nearly <laughs> summer. And I think it's time to move on from ice and get into something that we all need in our lives, which is dirt. We need dirt. <laughs> but before we do that, I just want to say hi. Thank you all for listening. And Hello. we uh, were on an unexpected hiatus. And mainly it's because, although I, can, I think I'm speaking for both of us, Ellen and I both love recording this and doing this podcast. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. this is a hobby and not a job and you know sometimes life gets in the way of us <laughs> being able to do the fun stuff that we want to do so we're sorry but we're back now and yeah. we're excited to record and we're hoping to bring some more geology knowledge to to the populace yeah we got a lot of messages and comments from everybody who's been listening even the time that we weren't recording so thank you so much for those they're very very kind and very sweet and yeah keep sending them in it's very Send your questions Yes. yes, especially when we are bogged down by life. So thank you. So we look forward to bringing you more knowledge. But particularly, <laughs> I'm excited about today's topic, which is dirt? just absolutely dirty. <laughs> I love me some dirt. <laughs> I didn't realize that like dirt was like a part of geology. I, I guess. think a lot of people don't really think about it. That soil yeah. and geology kind of go hand in hand. I mean, obviously, okay, so I'm saying dirt, but soil is usually the soil. technical term that people use. Soil petrology specifically is like the study of dirt. Um, and I just prefer to use the word dirt. But the thing is, <laughs> we have, <laughs> I don't know, I've just always been fascinated with dirt in particular. I don't know if, mm. I don't know if Ellen remembers this as a child. I was telling this to our parents the other day, I was just talking to them, but mm. we used to have do you remember in our backyard ellen that on Mm -hmm. the hill in the backyard by the Mm -hmm. cedar trees Mm -hmm. there was a kind of like a little divot in the ground that never grew grass it was supposed Mm -hmm. to have grass in it it was just yeah i know what you're talking about by the swing set yes so when i was little i used to go into the backyard in like the summer and i would take a hose and i would put the hose right in that spot where grass never grew and it was just like dirt and I would like let run the hose over it for a while until it was like muddy. And mm. then I would like take it and pick it up and like put it on my skin. And I'm like, it's a spa day. And I would like cover <laughs> my skin. Really? With mud. Yeah. You don't remember me doing this? Uh, I just didn't know that mud was a spa thing until I was like an adult. So I, just, I don't know. I'm surprised. <laughs> Maybe you just knew. I don't know. Kids know elementary weird stuff school. sometimes. Yeah. Elementary school, Jane thought it was a great idea to give myself a spa day by rubbing yard <laughs> mud into my body. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then being like, ooh, and Virginia then I would like wait till it would dry. Yeah, and then I would like wash it off with the hose. It was good times. And then of course cool. drink from the hose to get some flavor of lead in my life, but it's fine. So There's no lead in the it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's in that hose. Anyway, so yeah, You're I stronger think I've just now. always had a lifelong fascination. <laughs> yes. I've had a lifelong fascination with soil 
and dirt and rocks and all that. And I'm glad that I was able to go into work that brought me in contact with all of this. But definitely soil was one of my favorite. I took a soil petrology class in school and it was one of my favorite classes to take because I literally got to play with dirt for class. Like <laughs> it was really exciting to me. So I was like, oh, it's dirt. I get to touch dirt, play with dirt. So you're probably you know, going to talk about this, but what is petrology? So petrology is the branch of science that specifically deals with the origin and structures and composition of rocks. But when we talk about soil petrology, we talk about the relationship between soil and rocks, which mm. they are related. So that's why we call it soil petrology. Um, when we're studying, you know, different types of rocks, so like sedimentary rocks or igneous rocks or metamorphic rocks, we will call it sedimentary petrology. And a lot of time classes will have igneous and metamorphic together. So you'll take it as ig, met, pet. So igneous metamorphic <laughs> petrology. <laughs> so a lot of people just call it ignite pet because it's just easier to pronounce. So, mm -hmm. but yes, so it's soil petrology is our fancy word for our topic of today. But dirt is the is my word for the topic of today. <laughs> so Ellen, when we talk about soil, what do you yes. think about when you think about soil? Uh, like what's under grass, I guess. I mean, that's a good that's a good like informal definition, really. Yeah, and like. Also, there's different kinds. Like I grew up, we were just talking about growing up in Virginia where the soil is really clayey. Like I remember being able to shape it into shapes. Yes. Um, like when it's wet, like clay. Whereas where I live now, the soil is very sandy because now I live in Toronto, which is like old lake bed central. And then like obviously um, recently I've been gardening, getting the gardens ready a lot. And there's like all kinds of crazy soil that you can buy and bring in and things you can add to the soil to make it like better for growing crops yes um so yeah i guess that's like just my general experience with soil it's like the stuff <laughs> that's like around it's kind of <laughs> under grass yeah we kind of don't really under rocks because it's so prolific we don't really think about how yeah, necessary there. it is for human life i think a lot of times we talk about water mm. being and water and air being the two things that are absolutely necessary for humans but soil is just yeah. as important to human life as it is. And and all, you know, plant, animal, fungus, all that bacteria life, soil is also very important. But particularly to human beings, yeah. it's important. And soil has, like, multiple definitions, but there's two very specific ones I wanted to focus on. The first one being that there's an agricultural definition, and it defines soil as the surface layer of earth supporting plant life, which makes sense for agriculture. Like I said. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then for the geology definition, we define dirt as the accumulation, excuse me, soil. We define soil as the accumulation <laughs> of loose weathered material, which covers much of the earth with a depth ranging from a quarter of an inch to hundreds of feet in some places. So oh. St. Louis, for example, has quite a deep soil depth, especially closer mm -hmm. to the river that you get. There's a lot, there's a really deep soil depth that covers the area until you reach the bedrock surface it's really deep mm -hmm. um but in other places it won't necessarily be nearly as deep it just depends on where mm -hmm. you are so what are the things that we use in our life that need soil well food easy <laughs> yeah what other things do you think we need for soil excuse me we need soil for 
I'm trying not to look at your notes because <laughs> I can actually read it. So I'm cheating, but like basically any kind of plant. Yeah. So food, crops, um, like lumber, just like plants, like decorative plants. Yeah. <laughs> like um, you have clothing. So a lot of clothing is made out of, of plants, yes. obviously. Um, and then I would say like, so all our structures that we live in as humans are somewhat supported by soil. Yes. So we use, well, like we, I don't know, it's kind of like, I wouldn't say you use soil, but you work with the soil to like support structures. Yes. Um, that includes roads, houses, you know, public transit, all of that. Anything that's built into the ground that we want to live in or walk on or use yeah. requires an understanding of the soil and, and usage of the soil. Yeah. It's also important for things like earthen dams, things that are actually physically made of the yeah. soil, you know. Mm-hmm. There's, I don't know, there's just almost... And building materials. Well, we just talked about clay. And people like, use it to make homes. People use it to make bowls and, you know, furniture. And- yeah, like um, products, just like usable, um, you know, like home products. Like, oh, I don't actually have a... Mu- well, glass. Well, glass is made of sand. Maybe that's not a soil. No. But uh, like if I had a mug, that'd be made out of like stoneware, which is ceramic. Yes. It's a soil, right? Yes. It's generally um, made from soil. We would classify that as soil. But yes, also it's important like other ceramics, for- I guess biofuel production it's important for it's important for the production of coal even because coal is made from plants and plants need dirt so ancillarily (laughs) dirt is important for that Mm -hmm. i mean there's just like a lot of things that go back to how important soil is and how it functions in our ecosystem the thing about plants the thing about human life is that all life on earth is sustained by the sun and the majority of the way that we get energy from the sun is through plants so when plants need dirt so yes. there you go. So soil like functions in our <laughs> exactly. So soil functions. I, I've done it. I figured it out. <laughs> you cracked the code. Yeah. <laughs> so soil functions in the ecosystem basically as a support for the growth of plants. It provides you know our medium for plant roots, and it provides nutrients mm. in a way that plants can absorb. It's essential mm-hmm. to plants for us. But something that a lot of people don't really think about, I think, is that. Soil is also a major component of our hydrologic system that we have. So our hydro- hydrosphere, which is a portion of our, we have an atmosphere, which is the, you know, the oxygen, the gases that we breathe, but we have a hydrosphere as well on mm-hmm. earth, which is all of the water, groundwater, salt water, you know, that is within our earth's atmosphere. Is water suspended in the atmosphere? Can it's the atmosphere or the hydrosphere? The hydrosphere <laughs> deals with any water. The atmosphere okay. may have water in it, like water particles in it, but it's that's yeah, part but it's of the just hydrosphere. Yeah, suspend, suspended, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, correct. I understand. So it's just the hyd- It's considered generally just considered the hydrosphere, but mm-hmm. you know, soil functions as a absorber of water. It prevents water mm-hmm. loss. You know, mm-hmm. it, it helps prevent contamination because it can help filter mm-hmm. out any sort of things that you get in your water. That you mm-hmm. know, aside from when we put things in our soil, like fertilizers, that will contaminate the water, but <laughs> it helps purify water, you know, it helps plants utilize water. So I, I think that's one kind of thing that people don't, we're, we're going to get into it a little bit more, but soil is functional in multiple different ways within our earth and not just as a, you know, a plant provider for us. And in our volcano episode, we talked about like liquefaction yes. where all the like groundwater comes out of the soil. Yes. Right. Yes. Or was it? Yeah, it was, or plate tectonics, uh, I forget. It was in one of our earlier episodes. It was in our earthquake episode yeah. we talked about liquefaction. Yeah, because you talked about 
Yokolops or whatever. Yokolops are flooding. That's, that's glacial flooding. Uh, no, what's the one where it's like horrifying hot water mud? Oh, that comes lahars. From? Yeah, that. <laughs> but anyway, we talked about the how tectonic act- activity can also loosen uh like the soil or whatever loosen the soil i guess and cause groundwater to come up out of the soil yeah absolutely it can cause it to seep out essentially but we and and yeah and we'll talk about we'll we'll talk about something similar to that as well a little tease there Mm. in this episode Mm. now soil is great because it functions as nature's recycling system so stuff Mm. goes into soil and they become assimilated they decay in the soil so and by stuff i mean usually like organic components rocks anything organic or inorganic water gets recycled through there air even gets recycled through soil and their Mm -hmm. basic elements once they're kind of broken down their basic elements become available for reuse by the ecosystem through plants through Mm -hmm. animals through other things within the soil so Mm -hmm. and of course soil is a habitat for critters which is great a wide variety of critters could even be a human habitat the hobbits live in dirt (laughs) i'm sure you know great for them but they have like furnishings <laughs> but they also influence we talked about how they influence water but they also influence you know our atmosphere because they contain gases the soil contains mm-hmm. gases and it can change the composition of our atmosphere based on how many of those gases are being released into the atmosphere rather than being contained in the ground mm. so and yes we talked about how it's being used as an ellen mentioned how it's used as an engineering medium and it is for all sorts mm. of animals, including humans. So she talked about the way that we use it for transportation and for other building purposes. But other animals like mud daubers, which are a type of wasp, they make their nests right. out of, you know, out of soil. Mm-hmm. Swallows can make their nests out of soil. You know, other things like that. Like that's just, you know, two easy burrows. examples. Yeah. Burrows for like. Yeah, like prairie dogs exactly. and stuff, I guess. <laughs> and for like, you know, little badgers or whatever, you know. Um Yeah. It's spiders, etc. Yes, it's a, oh gosh, tarantulas, <laughs> the tarantulas <laughs> of New Mexico. Yes, it's it's a very important resource that I think a lot of people don't kind of recognize. So I want to mm. ele- elevate it. I want to bring it to the people, <laughs> make it known how important soil is. Love dirt, become dirt. Love dirt. Dirt is everything. Jane is like proclaiming with her hands out. Nobody can see, but I can see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll get off my dirt box now and go back to talking about soil. So you're like dirt pile. Yeah, my dirt pile. I'll get off my dirt pile. <laughs> I'll remove my dirt crown and put it to the side. So <laughs> my dirt co- my dirt uh, cone hat. <laughs> put it, yeah, put it to I was the gonna side. say crown might be a, well. You know, if it was like porcelain or something, we could probably make that. Yeah, that's a dirt crown. Like a dirt crown. Yeah. Sometimes when people are using my, like, china in my house, like, my guests are like, oh, I'm so, I don't want to, like, mess up your china. And I'm like, well, you know, this is dirt, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. That's how, that's how I feel Everything about is it. Dirt. But anyway. <laughs> dirt is great. Everything is dirt and dirt is great. So dirt is not just well, soil. People soil. just think soil is dirty. It's dirty. It's whatever. Soil has four main components that it's made up of. I think one of the easiest ones that people can think about would be minerals so i'm just about to say dirt (laughs) (laughs) so specifically inorganics such as rocks and minerals ideally the composition if you're going to do like an ideal like a perfect you know in a perfect world the composition of our soil would be 45 percent inorganics so it would be any of those like rocks that are broken down that over time and they vary in different sizes so it's really important that we talk about the sizes for 
minerals and rocks that are within your dirt. So the sizes vary from gravel size, which is quite large, to sand size, where if you pick up the dirt and you like rub it between your two fingers, it'll have kind of a gritty feel to it. Silt size, which those particles are too small for us to see, but you'll still have a, it will be a kind of a smooth texture if you like rub the dirt between your two fingers. And then clay sized particles, which when you, when, if anybody's ever played with clay, you know, it becomes sticky when it's wet and it becomes hard when it's dried and it becomes like a solid, mm. hard, solid, you know, stuck together kind of uh, feel to it. So those are the three, sand, silt, and clay are the kind of the most important particle sizes that we generally talk about. And then uh, we also talk about colloidal. So colloids are the smallest particle size you can get. They're defined as 0 0.001 millimeter particles that are suspended in liquids. So they're not just in, in soils, but colloids are also a term that we use for things like blood, for example, human blood because it is a colloidal liquid it has solids in it There's it has blood cells bits. yes <laughs> and then it also has the liquid and, component well, and like for your blood free iron and yeah. other stuff it's got right? other stuff so it's just well, maybe, little yeah. things floating around there's stuff mm -hmm. but colloidal particles actually have an, any colloidal particles because they're so small they actually have their own electromagnetic charge to them hmm. so they actually attract and repel other ions or charged particles to them so we're getting into like fancy chemistry i'm not gonna like you know, bore you guys too much. But an ion, if anybody doesn't remember from their, you know, their chemistry class, an ion is either an element, such as like hydrogen, oxygen, whatever, or a molecule such as H2O, which is water, that has lost some of its electrons, some of its, mm -hmm. one of their, one of the more elementary components that make up an, like an element or a molecule. So they've lost some of their electrons and then they become attracted to other ions that are in mm -hmm. our chemistry field. So yeah, I'm just not going to, there's more to it than that, but that's like the very kind of basic understanding is that they're just attracted to each other. They like each other a lot. They want to hold hands, okay? They want to be friends. Yeah. Like, let's not break them up. So, and colloids are those tiny particles, even though they're small in size, they actually end up having a larger surface area as a mass, like as a whole than other larger particles because of that chemical attraction that you have. So you basically end up drawing more things to this, these little colloids than you would to this like liquefied emulsion, you know, like you draw more stuff to it. So we have next up, I kind of, I'm kind of like skipping Wait, around a, in the side. Can I ask you a yes. question first? Yes. So you said the ideal composition is 45% of this, of, of like with of minerals. inorganics. Of inorganic min minerals. What what does ideal mean? Like, is that is it's this just, just like, like an average perfect, of different types the, of soil the or like soil for <laughs> plant life? I think is the over kind plant of life. main idea mm -hmm. because the plants are the things that mostly use it. So ideal soils yeah. have these percentages to them. Obviously, they like move around. Sometimes things have more minerals and more organics and whatever. But mm -hmm. yeah, ideally for plant life to exist harmoniously with the dirt. Uh, you want to have this kind of composition. Mm -hmm. So yes, 45, okay, that makes sense. 45% inorganics. Then next up, although this is not next in percentage, 5% organics. So we had our okay. inorganics and now we have organics. So organics are either organisms such as like worms, insects, whatever, mm -hmm. either dead or alive, 
So their mm. remains or if they're alive, they're part of the biomass is what it's called when they're alive. Mm. Components produced through metabolism by these organisms. Like worm poop. So poop. Yes, I was gonna. I was gonna <laughs> say that that's the classy way of saying poop. Worm poop. Worm poop is important for soil, yes. especially if you're gardening. And this also includes you, though, you like burrows. Them. Includes you know, you mm. know, remnants of food that they've left behind. Food waste. It also mm. includes any plants that have decayed or decomposed in this area. Leaves. You know, foliage. Yeah. You know, anything like that. So organics are constantly decomposing. They're not stable at you know, Earth's temperature, pressure conditions at like the, you know, at the surface or even mm -hmm. like, you know, deep down, they just start getting, they decay. And when they decay, mm -hmm. it's just free carbon that's available for anybody who wants it. And so there are a lot of <laughs> microorganisms that are in soil that take this carbon and mm -hmm. they respirate it and turn it into CO2 now, mm -hmm. which is carbon dioxide, which is also what we respirate is what we breathe out. We breathe out CO2 mm -hmm. as well. So mm -hmm. CO2 is actually constantly being released from soil during this process where the microorganisms are nominal on this carbon that we got. And mm. this, this CO2 that's being released becomes part of the Earth's atmosphere. So mm -hmm. the only way to get CO2 back into the soil is actually you need to add more organics on top of it. So the more organics that mm. you add into a soil, the more CO2 that you will have available for – well, the more carbon you'll have available for things to – eat and digest and then release as co2 hmm. so it's actually important for our atmosphere to store as much of for the for the soil to store as much of this carbon dioxide as possible not to release it because hmm. releasing mass quantities of carbon dioxide is obviously not great for global temperatures and soils mm -hmm. actually most people probably don't know this but soils store more carbon dioxide than all of the world's plants and biomass combined and the atmosphere combined. Wow, I there's definitely There's tons didn't of carbon dioxide. Yes, there's tons of mm. carbon dioxide in soil. So it's a there's tons of carbon and then there's tons of respirating microorganisms in soil. So that's how we get a lot yeah. of CO2. There's tons of tons of carbon stored in the soil as opposed to being released into the atmosphere. Correct, as carbon as stored CO2 in, stored in soil. Yes. Mm -hmm. There is some CO2 in soil and if you overturn soil it'll come out, but Mm -hmm. A lot of it comes from that, that respiration sense. process. So mm -hmm. another thing about organics is if organics are given enough time to accumulate into a more solid blob, they become something called humus, which is spelled almost like hummus. And I always <laughs> thought it was hummus when I was reading it in textbooks, but it's not. It's humus, H-U-M-U-S. And mm -hmm. it's like this kind of dark brown texture, almost black. It's, you know, it's just, it's kind of just blah looking but it's a complex mm -hmm. organic material and it accumulates in soil and it is because it's accumulated like that it actually becomes very resistant to decay so it's actually much more stable than just regular old leaves or other you know dead critters other biomatter and it's great for soil it's very important it's great specifically for plants in soil you know mm. it helps attract nutrients and ions it'll attract water and help retain water in soil and it's very similar to the kind of colloidal particles you get in inorganics. It's also, they both, you know, attract each other, you know, so, mm -hmm. so it's very good. So we had inorganics and we had organics together. They make up about 50% of an ideal soil composition. The next thing mm -hmm. I want to talk about is water. So water is another thing that we don't always think of as part of soil composition, but it is, and it is a part of it. And it's usually about 20 to 30% mm -hmm. of soil. It's a pretty high percent. 
yeah so it's like you know a fifth to a third of what components make up of soil you know mm -hmm. soil is super important part of the hydrologic cycle i know i mentioned this earlier and nearly all water that has been on earth has traveled through soil at some point so mm. water is used for plants in the soil but also water will infiltrate deeper down from the soil into rock that's below it we call this bedrock mm. and mm -hmm. it'll get stored in the pore spaces the like empty spaces within the bedrock so any large rock unit that stores or transmits water is actually called an aquifer and we use aquifers mm. as a collection system for us to get groundwater a lot of times. So our drinkable water, depending on where you are. I wondered about that. But yes, yeah, so I mean, through the process of infiltrating through the soil into bedrock, it becomes harvestable by humans, essentially. Mm. It just drip, 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 drips all the way down. So And clean. It it's gone through becomes the soil. cleaner. <laughs> I would Relatively still say, clean. <laughs> you know, there's probably some sort of fungus down there or whatever. But, I, you know, maybe don't just straight up lick it. But, you know, it's fine. They like they maybe, treat it. Maybe still first. purify. We it live first. in a modern society. <laughs> maybe yeah. still clean it first. Yeah. So, but yeah. So you know, back to soil. So soil has water in it, which I know we've mentioned before, but a lot of times it's only available in relatively smaller percentages to plants. It varies between like fifteen and fifty percent available to plants. Hmm. It's just not always high enough in the soil horizon for the for the we'll, we'll, I'll talk about that term later but high enough for the roots of the plants to reach this water or it's not in a large enough quantity or a quantity that's you know ingestible to plants so it really just mm -hmm. depends it depends on the textures of soil how available it is depends on the water is in a soil that just like trickles straight through it you know it it'll depend on you know in varying degrees like that how much of the, the plants how much of it is available to plants mm-hmm the last component that makes up soil is air or gas. So that mm -hmm. makes up about, again, 20 to 30%. And the way that we measure air or, you know, gas is we measure it by any, any voids that you have in soil and the volume of those voids. So if you mm -hmm. have any empty space in a soil and there'll be various gases, there won't, it won't just be oxygen. Sometimes it'll be CO2. Um, sometimes it'll be nitrogen. Sometimes it'll be it's all sorts of different things. Usually. Exactly. All sorts of different things and the more the more gas that you have in a soil the less water that you'll have and vice versa so if you have more water in your soil you'll end up having less gas in your soil they just exchange locations and places so hmm. soil air is not the same as atmospheric air it really depends a lot on your soil constituents so generally it'll be higher in co2 which makes a lot of sense because you mm -hmm. have plants decaying on top of it and it'll be lower in, in oxygen than atmospheric air. Okay, so that's the four things that make up soil. So soil texture is the next thing I'm going to talk about. So soil texture, texture is mainly described by the size of the grains of the inorganics that we talked about that were in the soil. So inorganics being minerals or rocks that are in the soil. And the three main sizes that are important for texture are sand, silt, and clay. And we talked about what those sizes are earlier. Colloids can generally be included within the clay section because mm. they are also a part of clays, really. But just a very specific, rep you know, a very specific portion of a clay mineral. So a good soil texture is something called loam. Loam is like 
the like primo texture for soil <laughs> for plants. Plants love loam. Mm. They want that loam. Get that loam. <laughs> L-O-A-M. Let's make this loam. So loam is is in the informed community, we say that loam <laughs> is a 40-40-20 soil. So that means that you have 40% sand, 40% silt, and 20% clay. Now, mm. a lot of times that can range between like 30 and 50% sand, 30 and 50% silt, and then 10 to 30% clay. So it's not like exactly 40-40-20, but we all know it's 40-40-20. That's the 40-40-20. That's like the <laughs> ideal, like amazing proportion for loam. And when these proportions, these proportions are actually by weight, even though we list them as a percentage, but it's the weight of that amount of soil, you know, like if you look at the soil and if you weighed out each individual consistent, it would be 40, 40, 20 for those. Mm. So yeah, plants love me, love them some loam. Loam soils have more nutrients and they have better water retention than other types of soils. They have better drainage than other type of soils. They have, uh, they develop their humus, not their hummus. They develop their humus faster than other <laughs> soils. Mm. It's basically, it's everything you could ever want in a healthy soil for agriculture. So that's why loam is like the ideal texture that you can get for a soil. So a lot of times if people have, for example, if you have a soil that's very clay-like in texture, like we have here in Virginia, mm-hmm. Virginia clay, while nice and fun to put on your body when you're trying to do a clay mask, when you're a small child in <laughs> elementary a child. school, yes, the thing is a lot of times if people want to use their regular backyard soil to grow things. They have to add things such as sand to their soil because otherwise Mm. the water that you have will just kind of sit and never be able to infiltrate down your soil and you'll just kill your plants by drowning them essentially. So people who are trying to garden in Virginia need to make sure that they use a different mixture of material of textures in their soil or they won't get any water infiltration than their poor plants We'll just float away. Mm-hmm. We'll just float away down the <laughs> well, street. It's also hard for plants to grow roots in clay because it's so dense, right? Exactly. Like the, because the particles are so fine, they're very compact. It's harder to do things like grow roots and look, you know, get nutrients out of the soil like yes. you need. Oh, yes, absolutely. And the thing is, I know I mentioned... And you know, you would need if you were a plant. <laughs> yeah, everything. <laughs> everything you need if you're a plant. And I know mm-hmm. I mentioned that loam is the ideal texture, but it is certainly not the only soil texture. There are many soil mm-hmm. textures. They range from clay, <laughs> which is just nearly 100% clay, obviously. Uh-huh. Sand, which oh, is sorry, nearly when 100% you... sand. Yeah, when you say clay and sand, in this saying it's 40, 40, 40 20, so like 40% uh, whatever. Sand. Uh, 40% sand, 40% silt, and 40% clay. You mean sand 20, size 20% particles. Clay. Oh, sorry, 20% clay. Sand-sized particles, silt-sized particles, and clay-sized particles. Not just, like, clay, like, modeling clay, sand, like, sand you'd find at the beach. Correct. Well, sand that you find at the beach is a sand-sized particle. But the thing is... (laughs) Yeah, but clay. not all... Yeah. (laughs) There's a difference between clay as a mineral and clay as a particle. Those are two different things. So clay Mm -hmm. is the description of a clay-sized particle, which is that small particle that, you know, you can't see with the naked eye. It's very fine. It's very top, very fine texture, very fine particle size. Clay as a mineral is a separate thing. So clay minerals form <laughs> when you have rocks that weather. And as yep. they, certain rocks, when they weather, they actually form clay minerals. So those are a completely mm. different thing. Um, there's a bunch of different types of clay minerals. And I'll probably have a section about them because I love clay minerals. They're super cool. Some are like really interesting <laughs> to me. But yeah, mm. a lot of times... It just depends on what kind of rocks you have, if they will weather into a clay mineral or not. 
But mm -hmm. even if the mineral, even if the rock doesn't weather into a clay mineral, which is a, a chemical weathering process, it may be a type of rock that when it weathers, it weathers down physically into clay-sized particle. particles. <laughs> so, yes. So, unfortunately, geology should have come up with two separate <laughs> names for that. That would have been a lot easier, but, you know, we're that not making That seems like it something that, yeah, geology would have done, but I just wanted to clarify, because whenever you say sand, I think beach sand, but it's not, it's not necessarily well, it is, that. kind it's of, like yes. Particle. But, yeah, I so mean, the other thing is to yeah. consider is <laughs> geologists also named sandstones sandstones because they're made up of sand-sized particles just like clay <laughs> minerals and clay rocks are made up of clay-sized particles so we're real we're real ingenuitive here we also have silt stones which are made of do you want to guess what kind of particles <laughs> silt they are size, silt <laughs> particles i was always like sandstone is made of sand not it sand is. particles. technically I mean, yes technically yes I mean, it is made of sand but it's sand-sized particles and sand sand just means a very specific particle size in geology that's the only yeah. difference it's still it's still kind of the same in your mind, but that's the only difference is there's very specific like this many millimeters to this many millimeters is considered a sand size particle, and this many millimeters. But I think we all know what like a size. sandy texture is yes. and like a silty texture and a clay like texture is. Yes, yes, you can you can feel it, especially so when you're studying dirt, it really comes down to feel. You know, you're not going to be out in the field with a microscope like staring because you can't see silt size particles. They're too small for the human eye to see, right? You mean clay size? Both. Both Wait, clay and silt. Both. Neither can be seen. But silt mm. won't hold together like clay will. You know what I mean? It'll be silky, yeah. but it won't have that like clingy texture that you get from clay. So that's the mm. way you have to tell is you have to tell by feel which one is which in the field. You know mm. what I mean? You wouldn't take, you wouldn't just bring a mic full on microscope with you to, <laughs> to the field and just slap some dirt on it and like look at it under the microscope. You just don't have time for that. I mean, I might, but... <laughs> Yeah, there's but so basically what I'm hearing is you liked soil petrology because you like touching dirt. I thought I mentioned this already. I thought I mentioned that how much <laughs> I like touching dirt. I thought that was like a huge portion of this conversation at the beginning. Dirt is great. Everything about dirt yes. is great. To the fact oh, well, okay, well back to the topic at hand. So I, I know I'm sorry, I, I distracted that. you. You're fine. Loam is the, you know, that ideal forty forty twenty yeah. mixture that we got. But clay texture is a thing where it's just almost 100% clay part clay size particles sand it can also include some sand and some silt size particles but in much smaller quantities obviously and then mm. sand size you know sand texture is just when it's mostly sand size particles silt texture is mostly when it's silt size particles but we also have things like this like loamy sand sandy loam <laughs> sandy clay loam <laughs> no sandy clay clay loam silty clay silty clay loam silty loam and loam so it just depends <laughs> on what percentage it's like a triangle diagram <laughs> it's just a triangle like silty, diagram silty silty clay loam that's pretty funny you should put that uh diagram on our instagram yeah and meet so with that everyone understands it. but it's just like sandy clay loam loamy sand sandy loam <laughs> it's just like <laughs> I'm just like it's so like lazy. Paint colors. It's so lazy. But anyway, so that was one thing I had to memorize. I think it's in like school. efficient. Like, it's kind of weirdly efficient. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so that's a. That's anyway, the, it's a it's a soil textural triangle. That's what it's called, the soil textural triangle. But how you define basically it's what your what percentages you have of each individual i'm actually glad category. you clarified that because in my mind it was like a linear scale you know it was like clay to silt to um silt to 
I get it though. I understand what you're clay? saying. Where you start sand to silt. Oh, clay to, to silt to sand. Yeah, or yeah. sand to silt to clay or whatever. Not like a like it couldn't be all of them. So that totally makes sense actually. Like there's some you can have some of some a little bit of clay sized particles and a little bit of silt sized particles and like mostly sand sized particles or whatever. Yes. And so the it's thing not, is like, it's not it like depends. linear, I guess. And the thing is like if you have more clay, you know, there's actually you're more likely to get a clay like texture with higher percentages of clay than you would with, you know, silt or sand, just because sand is such large particles versus clay will like cling together. So you get a clay texture mm. from, from, you know, 50% and above of clay in this particular mm. soil, even if it's like 25% and 25% of the other two, it'll be 50% mm. and above clay. It's just like, you'll feel, it'll feel like clay. Maybe like a hmm. gritty clay, but it'll still be clay. You know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. And it's and it really has a lot to do with the properties of clay itself. Sand, because it's such large grain size and it doesn't stick together like clay does, you know, you need nearly a hundred percent sand to be able to get a sand textured soil. Interesting. I didn't know that. And then silt can do it can be more like, you know, like eighty percent. If it's eighty percent silt, it'll be a silty kind of texture mm -hmm. so, i'm gonna put this aside you're done with your diagram i'm glad that you enjoyed it as much as i did because it's just so lazy well loamy yeah i found, I found it loam <laughs> i i found it funny um but also somewhat beautifully efficient where it's like we just demarcated these by size there are only these three demarcations this the composition is like any amount of these and this is how you can yeah, like they're they're classifiable, but it's basically just like based on the percentage of the size of the particulates. We actually do. There's a so. lot of, particularly in sedimentary petrology, there's a lot of triangular classifying diagrams. But we use mm -hmm. them a lot in also igneous igmet pet igneous metamorphic petrology because mm -hmm. of how the if you have minerals that have elements that can be replaced within them, so. That also changes the. I, hmm. yeah, I won't get into it, but it. it we, <laughs> Someday we use you a might. Lot of triangle diagrams. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> I use a lot of them. I think people like threes. They like to organize things in groups of three. And nature likes so. threes. So we have soil texture, and now we have soil structure. So soil structure actually refers to how soils form aggregates. So how they clump together. And the term hmm. that we use for a soil aggregate is actually a ped. P e d. So okay. these different PEDs, these different little structures, are shaped similarly to how we've talked about crystal habits before in one of our first episodes. So minerals form crystal habits based on their internal chemical structure. PEDs mm. also form, you know, their structures based on what their chemistry is like. So mm. they can form little massive ones. They can form granular size, you know, little, little granular ball PEDs. They can form columnar, so column-shaped PEDs. Again, it's very similar to it, just based on whatever chemistry is available. Can you tell this with the naked eye, or do you have to like look at it under a microscope? Both. It just depends see. on the type of soil that you have. Hmm. So I think generally you would see it mostly through microscope, depending on the type of soil. But hmm. maybe if you had a very young soil, you would see it. And by young, I mean it hasn't had, it hasn't you know gone to prom or anything. But <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so very young soil, you wouldn't, you don't see the structures nearly as well. But in an older, more mature 
refined soil, you would probably be able to see these structures better. You would probably and also still have I to imagine see them like under a, a microscope, a soil that hasn't been like disturbed or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I guess. It's been given time to just do its thing. Mm. So a soil profile now. So that was the soil structure. Now both the texture and the structure are considered physical properties of soil. Mm -hmm. Soil profiles are just a vertical section of soil from the ground surface. So like, you know, where grass is or whatever, down mm -hmm. to the rock where, where you finally mm -hmm. hit rock when you don't have soil anymore. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's soil profiles actually get clearly defined into sections. And really it's based on the composition of the soil within the profile. And we're going to talk about how those kind of develop over time. But each of these individual sections are called a horizon. So when you have more time for a soil to develop, you end up getting more horizons in your soil. But there's only a couple of very specific ones that can grow. And I'll, I'll show you. Is that you kind this. of like layers in a tree or something? Where, or like, like tree rings? It's like layers in a cake. So okay. um, if you have more time to bake, you'll have more layers in your cake is how I think yeah. of it. Do they get compressed? They of the... can become compressed. Okay. It just depends. Some have more critters in them, so it makes more air pockets. Some of them have more mm. water infiltration depending on the type of texture of the soil some mm. will have more plants cover so that it will change what kind of you know water and air composition you'll get some of mm. them haven't been around for a long time so they will have less layers the longer mm. you've been there the more time you have to develop layers it's basically mm. like when you have um it's like if you had a bottle and you dumped a bunch of different mm -hmm. spices in it and you shook it around some of them would settle mm -hmm. out faster than other ones because they're heavier mm. or whatever, and some of them would stay floating for a long time. It's mm. kind of like that when, when soils are given time to settle, essentially, you'll have, you'll have different layers being formed within your soils. Hmm. So they kind of settle like a liquid, like things move through the soil? Yeah, well, liquid moves through the soil, so it, it brings stuff with it. Mm -hmm. Is kind of what's happening. Usually, usually soil <laughs> or critters are the things that really do a lot of the movement in the soil itself. But just a worm hitching a ride on some groundwater. You're not wrong. <laughs> just imagine it in a tiny little boat with a little captain hat. Yeah, exactly. Riding down the soil layers. <laughs> a tiny captain hat. <laughs> so the soil horizons that we have, we have O, A, E, B, C, and R. I don't e know how many. How many is that? E I O. Um... No. <laughs> Five? How many did you count? O, A, E, B, C, R. Six. C, R. Six. So those, <laughs> yes, those are the six soil horizons. And they're actually not super hard to remember. Um, it's just something that all soils form one or none of these horizons. So the ones that mm -hmm. have none of these horizons are considered very, very young baby soils. They just started forming. And then the ones okay. that have more of these horizons will be you know, much more mature, much more refined. Okay. You know, they'll have little smoker jackets and they'll be laying back in their libraries <laughs> enjoying a nice uh -huh. novel. But yeah. I'm listing these in order from the soil surface down. So the, the top horizon, the O horizon, is organic. O stands for organic. So most of your organic matter will be in this O horizon. So you have decomposing leaves. You mm -hmm. have, you know, your very thin soils. Um, you'll have humus, you know, mm -hmm. you'll have some chips to go along with your humus because that's also, you know, it's made of carbon, but yeah, mm -hmm. organics are in some places mm -hmm. you can have really thin 
O horizons. You can have really thin layers of organics and some you can have really thick O horizons. Can you think of a place that you might have a really thick O horizon? Like a place where it's naturally like that or yeah. like a, maybe like a volcanic field or something? Actually, more like a, someplace you would have a lot of organics. Where would you have a lot of organics? Like a jungle? Yeah. So yeah, like a jungle or like a like a swamp, like a rainforest, Something like that. Rainforest. Oh, a swamp. That makes sense actually. Yeah. Isn't there a lot of goo in swamps? There are. Like carpeny. So yeah, goo. wherever you get a lot of organics <laughs> piling up on top of each other, that's where you would have a thick yeah. open. But nor normally, Tar normally o horizons if they are there, because you don't have to have every horizon to be a soil. We're not telling you that you have to be one way or another <laughs> soil. You know, soils can live their own best lives the way they need to live them. But if you do have a o horizon, a lot of times they're thinner than they are. They're one of the thinner horizons. Similarly, well, you said that we said that like organic material is not stable on the surface of the soil, yeah, right? Exactly. So it shouldn't it shouldn't last long. No, it doesn't. It should normally. get broken down into a different layer yes. or whatever, right? But yes, it's very important for plants. Plants love it, so that's why it stays mm -hmm. up there. And then topsoil, the A horizon is the next one down. And it's called the topsoil horizon, essentially, mm -hmm. and it's mostly minerals that's in this A horizon that has been incorporated into the organic matter. So that can be either like little pebbles or it can be, you know, other chunks of dirt that are mixing in with the organics. So it's just kind of a mix between, it's not, not just that layer of leaves that have fallen on your ground, but it's the, you know, the dirt mixed with the leaves really. Mm -hmm. So, and I know you've seen this because you've been gardening before. So you know exactly what I'm talking about, where you have that kind of mix between the two, but that top clean the mulch. And then you go back the next year, and then under where all the leaves were, there's a bit of, like, topsoil and, like, bits of leaves. Yeah. It's that stuff. Exactly. And it's ideal for plants and for organisms to live because they really like that's that. That's the tasty stuff. Exactly. Yeah, it's that's where you stuff. find all the little bugs in your, in that's your where garden, you, where, too. It's where you find your roots and your little bugs. That's where yeah. you find them. So the next, that's the good stuff. The next layer down is a much more uncommon layer. It's usually in very specific places, but it's called the E layer alluviated e is for alluviated Ooh, it's mm -hmm. a fancy that's a word that people use all it's the time it's a fancy word everyone uses alluviated so when we say alluviated we are talking about water leaching minerals and you know elements ions things like that leaching it out of soil and dragging it down to a lower layer so hmm. the the alluviated layer is a very leached layer. What that means is that the only things that you have left in this particular layer are the more resistant pieces, the more resistant particles in your soil. So that would be larger sized particles. That would be pieces of things like quartz. Quartz is a very resistant mineral to any sort of water attacks, you know? So um, most soils don't have it, but you do find it in older soils or in soils that are in forests that didn't have a lot of movement. You can get alluviated mm. soils there. But yeah, to alluviate, it means to, to leach materials via water. Hmm. And there's also illuviate with an I. Illuviate is a different word. <laughs> but also no part way. of soil petrology. Did you just say no way? I did. <laughs> what does alluviate mean with an I? Alluviate with an I means to introduce salts or colloids so we talked about that so those little tiny mm -hmm. particles so like salts or those like little teeny, tiny particles that are very interested in attracting to other particles 
those being introduced by water percolating down through layers. So instead of leaching stuff out, now it's being added in. So alluviate mm-hmm. with an E is to leach it out, and alluviate with an I is to, to percolate, to add it into the soil. So, okay, so alluviate with an I means water bringing stuff into the soil. Deeper. Alluviate, yeah. E is taking it out and dragging dragging yeah. it down. Deeper. Yeah. But, like, il- alluviate with an I means to, like, insert it. The water's bringing it yeah. into the soil or So you whatever. can think of it kind okay. of like a deposit. So it's being deposited <sighs> into these portions of the soils and so with the next couple of soil horizons that we'll talk about these are the alluviate with an i layers where all of that oh, stuff the that water has took, been alluvi- took it out yes <laughs> and it's being deposited <laughs> below it yes that's exactly what's happening you are 100 i understand valid. yes that's exactly why they're I'm, called that i'm looking at a diagram on the internet yes. I've, I've got it under control <laughs> <laughs> so the next layer well i was just like what would this look like and so like in this one photo that i'm looking at it's like there's the organic matter on top yes. there's the top soil and then you'll see and then this below that line. there's like it's like white yeah, yeah exactly because it's mostly it's quartz. like so quartz. that's why it'll be yeah. light it's usually a light color it'll be like white or gray hmm. some some soils that are really rich in an alluviate it has a really leached soil they'll just be like solid gray and it's like hmm. crazy to see but that are really highly highly leached all the the Mm. water has run through them and taken all the good stuff out Mm. Um, they're very interesting Interesting. to look at but yeah Mm -hmm. so the next layer down is an alluviate with an i layer um that that alluviate with an e had deposited that water deposits (laughs) and stuff there so it's the subsoil it's the b layer so Mm. b stands for subsoil i don't know why probably latin i'm not gonna look it up so subsoil Layer well, is... A is topsoil, then B is soil or subsoil, right? <laughs> yeah, but there's E in between. Anyway, it's a whole mess. It's a mess. That's fine. Geologists <laughs> don't know how to spell. They put O before A and then E and then B. It's just like <laughs> not right. So we have subsoil. So subsoil is rich in minerals that have been leached. They've moved down from the A or the E horizons, which we talked about, and they mm-hmm. accumulated here. Now the thing is, over time, these things, through the process of being these, you know, these elements, these minerals that have been leached by the water down to this layer. They're actually slowly being broken down through a chemical weathering process, and they turn into clay, clay minerals. Not by chemical weathering process, because the water because is of water, water weathering is... through the soil. Yes, water's flowing through the soil slowly and weathering it. Yes, exactly. Mm. So when you have a very well, we call it well established, but when you have something over time that has been developed for a long time, and it's a B horizon, it's called a BT layer. It's like a B sub T, and mm-hmm. um, it's a very strong b horizon and it has a lot of clay it is like thick with three c's clay that's like virginia soil it's very (laughs) clay heavy it has a very strong b horizon we call it a bt and then if it has a weak b horizon we call it a bw so you can see there are clays but it's not like fully developed that's a bw Hmm. now the thing is i'm telling you guys the basics there's so many different like there's so much to it, but this is just the very basics of it that we have here today. Mm-hmm. So the next horizon that we have is the C horizon, which is your parent material. So this is where you have your beginning. This is where the dirt started. This is the birth of dirt. This is where your dirt began. Um, it's the deposit at Earth's surface, which the soil developed from. So mm. it's where your start of dirt. And then below that, you'll have rock. So that's the R layer. It's the rock layer. It actually doesn't stand for rock. It stands for regolith, but that means the bedrock, what? you know, the very base, whatever massive rock that's still rock. 
So the parent material Regolith. is still soil. It's like soil mixed with rock, and then R is just rock layer. Okay. So that's your very bottom. It's like when you imagine a soil horizon, O, A, E, B is your clay heavy one, C is like your material that's mixed with bottom rock, and then just rock, solid rock, and you can't go any deeper. There's no more soil anymore. So this is not soil at all. It's just a rock. And it's just whatever the very parent material at the very bottom of your soil is. So it could be all right. granite or basalt or quartzite or limestone or whatever, you know, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. I'm Googling regolith. Regolith is just, it's rock that covers the bedrock is kind of how I mm-hmm. describe it. It's like when you have, if you've ever been standing on top of a rock, you see little bits of rock on top of that rock. That's yeah. regolith. <laughs> it says uh, it's unconsolidated, loose, heterogeneous, superficial deposits covering solid rock. Yes. It includes dust, broken rocks, blah, 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 blah. So it's anything that's standing between the way of a solid rock and, and the dirt is where your regolith like you're regolith is. Or you're walking around on the bedrock and then there's just like, you know, on like the top of Mount Desert Island or whatever. And there's like rocks on there. I guess that would be Yeah, there's just regolith. little bits of things. Little bits of broken off rock, little chipped rock, little things that are blown away by wind surfaces or whatever, you know, wind processes or anything like that. So now that you know all about your horizons, which is very important, what are they again, Ellen? Like O is organic, mm-hmm. A is topsoil, mm-hmm. E is alluviated. Oh, and then subsoil. I can't remember what the letter it's was. B. Sub. B and then s- <laughs> sub soil. <laughs> and then C was like the mix of rocks and soil and then the, the bottom was r for uh basically the layer above bedrock or yes. bedrock yeah i did it you did good r is for the rock is <laughs> for that's not really what it is c is for parent material which i don't know why that's c i don't ask questions but you know that's just it's probably like some kind of name. i think honestly it's Latin because a lot of times you'll have a b and c horizons but you may not have everything else i think that's probably why they did mm. a b c and then yeah. someone was like well, let's add this top one Oh, we already did A. Let's make it O. It's like, okay. <laughs> I think O for organic makes sense. It I does. like that. And it then does. like A, B, C makes sense. But and then yeah. E's just anyway. there. Anyway. So let's, now that we've talked about that, we're going to talk about the four soil forming processes. So there's four ways that you can form soil. The first okay. being through additions. So if you have material being added to your soil, such as decomposing vegetation, hmm. you know, organisms, organic matter, or any new material, like mineral material or rock material being deposited by wind or water or if a human being dumps one, they're doing construction or whatever. So mm-hmm. that's an addition. Yeah. You have losses. So this is how you remove stuff from your soil. You can either have losses of wind, from wind, from water, mm-hmm. from plant uptake. So a lot of people may forget about that, but plants are... <laughs> soil you know so anything that they take out of They're it taking material out of the soil exactly. yeah and a little bit i guess but. soil particles can also be or chemical compounds can be eroded you know they can be mm-hmm. leached which we talked about earlier alleviated they mm-hmm. can be harvested from the soil you know we can mm-hmm. have an alter a chemical yes. alteration happen and it changes the physical makeup of the soil so if you have your if you have like rocks near the top and they turn into a clay layer that's also kind of it can be a loss it can be a partial mm-hmm. loss if you lose free ions that way but most of the time that's more of a one-to-one you don't really lose in that situation mm-hmm. but you don't really gain either it just is mm-hmm. it's just a change so i think we're actually going to talk about that change here we're talking about transformations 
So this is mm. a transformation is caused by chemical or physical weathering. So new material is made, but you're not really making mass. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. turning minerals into clay minerals, primary minerals going into a clay mineral. That's an example of a transformation. It's not really a, it's not a loss. You can also oxidize some of your min minerals or hydroxize mm. some of your minerals. Like, you know, so rusting, if you have any rusting or anything like that, that's also a process mm. that you can go through. Mm -hmm. Those are considered transformations. Um, you can also go through the process of decay. Like if you have organic materials that, is, that are being decayed, you know, that's a transformation. So it becomes like mm -hmm. a coarse organic material into a more solid resistant organic compound, which we talked about. And it's not something mm -hmm. you can eat. What is it called? <laughs> hummus. Yes. <laughs> hummus. Not, not hummus. Hummus? Humus. I'm not sure. Humus. It's either hummus, hummus or humus. I've called it humus. It's not but hummus. But the yeah, thing is, again, humus. I've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again for clarity. One of my teachers, and this particular <laughs> teacher was British, so she said humus, but it doesn't mean that everybody says humus. It may be humus. It may be, it may even be hummus. I don't think it's hummus. I'm just saying that I was taught humus, and that's how I pronounce it. And so. also aluminum. So if I'm yes. incorrect, please take it up with my teacher. And yes, she would say aluminum. So I hope no <laughs> one was confused by that. By the point we were in college, I'd hope that someone had basic chemistry in America, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. So... So the last of the four soil forming processes is called translocation. So I saved this one for last because it sounds the coolest, but really it's just the <laughs> movement of soil constituents, either, you know, organics or minerals or whatever, within your profile. So we talked about the soil profile. It's basically like if you imagine like a rectangular cube of soil mm -hmm. that you just pull from the earth and you're looking at it and you're like, wow, this is great. Mm -hmm. And it's just like grass on the top and then like rock on the bottom. So any sort of movement you have in your soil that's either vertical, so it moves between your horizons, so like up mm -hmm. or down, most of the time it's going to be down, to be honest, or moving laterally within your profiles. So this can be, when you, when you move up and down, a lot of times this is really due to water more than anything. Mm -hmm. um, when you have lateral movement, a lot of times it's due to animals in the soil, like burrowing mm. or shoving things out of the way or whatever. But yeah, those are, you know, you can get changes from your soil that are, the alterations can be in like texture. It can be, the structures can become more apparent. You can have stronger horizons or weaker horizons. You can have mm. color changes, all sorts of different things. So cool. So those are the processes that form soil. But now we need to talk about the factors that form soil. So soil is not just, you know, in its own airlocked cube, right? You know, we have other stuff going on in the earth that affect how we get soil and what kind of soils we get and where we get these soils. It all makes a difference depending on these five factors. So the first one we're going to talk about is parent material. I think this one's pretty, pretty okay. obvious probably for most people. But depending on what kind of rock you have below your soil surface, it'll change what type mm -hmm. of soil you'll get. And that mm -hmm. seems pretty obvious. Um, I know we talked about specifically textures we talked about sand silt and clay sized textures uh sized particles what likely type of texture are you going to have for your soil if it's a sandstone as a parent <laughs> material oh I, I would guess a sandy texture <laughs> you're very right it is very likely going well. to be some sort of sandy texture or maybe a sandy okay. loam or a loamy, loamy sand <laughs> a clayey sand yeah a clay loam. Like <laughs> so um, the other things that can be affected 
by your parent material or your pH, which makes sense. So like how acidic mm -hmm. or how basic it is, uh, you know, the types of clay minerals you have. If you have, you can get like different types of clay minerals depending on what the, the parent material is because it's a chemical weathering process. So depending on what's being chemically weathered, you'll get different types of clays out of it, essentially. Mm -hmm. It also affects the fertility of the soil for your plants. So what kind of nutrients you have, your macro and micronutrients, and what quantities you have them in, because you can always have too much of a good thing. And if there are too mm -hmm. much, even if it's something that plants need, like potassium or nitrogen, you know, if you have too much of them, this it can be, you know, poison essentially to your plants. So just depends on, you know, what you got. So there are, in our like, you know, parent material categories, we have either residual underlying bedrock or we have transported materials. So when we talk about residual underlying bedrock, we just talk about like a solid rock at the bottom of your soils. So we talked about sandstone. Um, a lot of times sandstones and granites can be coarse textured, but they'll also be acidic soils that are formed from them. Mm. A lot of times they'll be high in iron content, which will make them more acidic. And then we have... Mm. I was about to ask you why that is. Yes. You answered my question before I asked. <laughs> and then we have limestones, which will be shallow. Generally, they'll be more shallow soils. And they'll also a lot of times be really clay heavy just because limestone will chemically weather rather easily into a clay. So that's why uh, you get pretty clay heavy soils. You can also get slate or shale is another type of rock that you have. And a lot of times those turn into clay soils as well. Um, and that just has to do with the chemical weathering process. So, I mean, there's other, you know, there's, these are just, you know, simple examples. But mm -hmm. when we talk about transported parent material, we're generally talking about sedimentary processes. And they're not necessarily even, it may not even be a solid rock. It may be like chunks of rocks that you'll get in these locations. But, hmm. or it could be a, end up being a solid rock. And I can give examples. But, so one of the types that we have, there's actually six different ones. But one of the types is a colluvium. So colluvium soils are soils that are actually found at the bottom of a slope. <laughs> that's just the easiest way to describe them. I know you're it's making a, a face at me, but that's what a colluvium name. is. Yes, okay. but they make a very specific type of soil, which is why they're important to describe separately. So colluviums either they can occur from water. So if you have rain, you know, you know, sliding like stuff down running down the side of something. Oh, okay. Yeah, or like mass wasting. So if you have a chunk of land that just like slides off of a hill because it becomes unstable or something. You know, that's a type of colluvium. <laughs> now a soil. Yeah. Okay. So these have, the, the particles are poorly sorted. They're not in any order, but because they're not organized very well, you actually generally get good drainage out of them, which is good for plants. So you get mm. uh, a decent amount of water removal for your plants, which is good. The next type I want to talk about is alluvium. So alluvium is the word we use for rivers. So any sort of river transported rocks that then become soil so depending on where you are in your river watershed you'll actually get different kinds of soils so you got a different kind of soil you know if you're at the mouth of your river than you would at just anywhere along the body of your river or if you're at the oh, delta like if you're at the delta portion of your river a lot of times you get really clay heavy particles mm -hmm. because at that point your river is like slowing down it's like taking longer to move stuff so a lot of times only the fine things the fine-grained materials get moved at that point. So that's why deltas mm -hmm. are very silt and clay heavy. Mm -hmm. But if you're, like, farther up the river where there's, like, rapids and stuff like that, you'll have sand-sized particles. So you'll get mm -hmm. a different type of soil than you would get at either end. So mm -hmm. 
The next one I want to talk about is marine sediments. So marine sediments, the only way you really get these turning into soil is they had to have been seabeds that got exposed somehow, you know, so either from uplift or, you know, if we had a change in water levels or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it really, really just depends where in the ocean you were, like, or how close you were to shore, what kind of soil deposits you get because you'll it'll change what kind of rocks you get because like a beach has very different rock than like deep ocean you know mm -hmm. beaches are mainly sand sized particles and when you're in the deep deep ocean all that's left is just like tiny clay sized silty particles so mm. um you know very different kinds of size particles and very different textures that you'll get for your plus there's a lot of soil. extra organic material at the bottom yeah. of the ocean from decaying ocean critters and whatnot so exactly you may have more calcium carbonate from sand you'll get like critters or whatever you know it's mm -hmm. just a very different kind of experience <laughs> critters <laughs> so that's a scientific term right yeah very scientific yeah it's a technical <laughs> critters yes critters so the next one i want to talk about is lacustrine lacustrine deposits which are lake deposits so you're very mm. familiar with that because that's near you so some yes. of them, some of them. Will be, I was like, why? And I forgot. Because you're next to a I don't, giant I don't lake. Live near the lake. Near enough. But it's still like, it's still in the oh, the lake land, you know. Near enough. And yeah, some of them enough. will be sandy, but a lot of them, most of them, end up being silty or clay. So it just depends Can on go, where you are. I should dig up my backyard and find out what kind of. Soil I mean, it's there are easier ways to it. do that. You could also just. <laughs> You know, there are oh, I've already, maps that exist. I already have a Google, I already have a search for like Soil Horizon Toronto that I'm going to look at after this. <laughs> I'm glad. I, I prepared, I mean, I already, I already, it's, there's a tab that's open. So don't you worry about that. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so next we have Aeolian, which we've talked about before, which is wind driven. And I'm not talking about like mm -hmm. Aeoli, like the sauce that you get. It's spelled differently. <laughs> it's E-O-L-I-A-N, not A-O-L-I. Mm, Aeolian. <laughs> yes. Mm, delicious. Garlic. It's garlic key Aeolian wind driven sediments. So wind driven soils, they're usually very fine particles, which doesn't surprise you because wind can only pick up so many pick things. Pick it up in the wind. Unless yeah. it's a tornado. So one of the mm. really fancy types of wind driven deposits is called LUS. So LUS deposit and it's spelled L-O-E-S-S. -S. So to say it's not spelled the way that you think, yeah. listener. <laughs> and these are all silt sized sediments that have been accumulated through wind blowing. So they tend to be kind of a yellowy kind of gray color just and hmm. just depends. But they're actually found very extensively in the central US. And can you guess what they might have been a problem for when we had a big massive 1930s issue when it came to soil in the middle of the u.s <laughs> it's almost like you're just leading me down the road to say the uh, dust bowl yes <laughs> yes there was a lot of lust deposits but the problem is so the lust was great the lust wasn't the problem the problem was when well, we problem was didn't have any plants <laughs> and we didn't have any water and so all they got blown away and that was a big huge problem for the dust bowl but the huge dust storms yeah i yes. guess people outside of north america might not know about this point in american history but it's something that we study i guess relatively extensively it's given a, a good chunk of a textbook when you're going through in like high school yeah and it was a period of time where there were significant droughts in the u.s um that caused these huge dust storms and i'm talking like crazy dust storms dust storms that would go all the way across the united states yeah. and also like create no crops and people had to give up their farms and it was very bad for people's health there was dirt everywhere there's a really horrifying documentary about it on 
PBS if you're in the on the the American Experience program on PBS if you're interested. There was also um, just a a lot of people had moved to the Midwest yeah. at that time, and what they had done is they had cleared the land, but they, they had not the land for farming. But yes, but they they didn't plant anything, and so because of that, all of the sediment was loose. It didn't have any roots to hold it down, and so that contributed a lot also to the Dust Bowl and having giant lust deposits. Mm-hmm. That are very good for plants, but not good for human lungs. So, well, not good for there. wind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not good for lungs. Anyway. So, we have Aeolian, which <laughs> is right. fun. Delicious. Mm-hmm. And then now we have glacial till. So, mm-hmm. glaciers, we had ta- we talked about this last time, but glaciers carry and grind any rock that's in their way. They don't care. Mm-hmm. Glaciers don't care. It'll no. cut it down. Ice doesn't care. Ice don't mm-hmm. care. So, they leave these kind of unsorted, unconsolidated deposits. Uh, when they melt or when they, you know... Like recede? Yeah, when they recede. Mm-hmm. The thing is, you can actually get layers. You can get, like, a rock layer, and then you'll have time for a soil layer to form. And then you'll have another rock layer. And a lot of times that happens mm-hmm. because you have this, you know, this retreat and advance cycle for glaciers. So mm-hmm. the glacier may have deposited rocks, and then the soil had time to form, and then it, like, goes over top of it, and then it advances, and then you get more rocks dropped off, and then you get more soil forming. So you get these cool kind of layers that are going in glacial deposits. Hmm. So that's how parent material affects your soil formation, what type of soil you end up having. Mm-hmm. We also are affected by climate. That mm. makes a lot of sense, I'm sure. So precipitation, temperature, vegetation, all of these different factors will affect your composition and texture of your, your soil. So mm-hmm. I have a question for you, Ellen. Okay. Which soil do you think has more intense weathering in it? Do you think it would be Phoenix, Arizona or Richmond, Virginia? I'm going to say Richmond, Virginia. Why do you think it would have more intense weathering than Phoenix when I'm asking you about I... climate specifically? <laughs> Not that I'm leading you to the answer. I'm misstating. Well, if this was I was the climate thinking... section of the podcast, and I'm talking about those cities <laughs> in relation to intense weathering in climates. I was just thinking that Richmond has like more rain. It does. So, so there might be more uh, weathering from precipitation. Yes, but yeah, the temperature isn't as extreme. So it's not. But the temperature I, doesn't really be. affect the temperature doesn't really affect soil too much. It it has more to do with moisture content. I mean, temperature does affect it. I guess Arizona might have more, like, wind exposure and stuff like that. It does have wind, but the thing is... I don't know. Arizona is... Now, you're, now you're making me second-guess myself. Not all of Arizona, but Phoenix in particular has a very arid... Oh, a very arid, dry climate. And mm-hmm. it doesn't get nearly as much precipitation as Richmond does. So Richmond mm-hmm. would actually have more weathering of their soils. They would have a stronger clay so right. horizon. Yeah, you were right. <laughs> you were right you were right i don't know why you were second guessing yourself you were 100 right i was like i'm pretty sure <laughs> right okay <laughs> I'm, i led a horse i'm to really water, proud of myself she didn't drink it <laughs> she walked away <laughs> you're like why would you think that when i'm asking you about phoenix and it's like oh no maybe i picked the right no you're 100 right yeah it's because of the climates that you know it's much more arid and dry there so you don't get nearly as much weathering of the soil no. so you don't get the same kind of internal horizons that you get for like a soil enrichment so, I mean, yes. yeah, I assume rock doesn't care, like, that much how hot it is because the, the temperature is not that different than the surface temperature in other places on Earth. It whatever, affects right? us more. So. It, the more it affects is actually, like, you know, your biomaterial, which is next on our list, mm. biota. 
uh, which is all all your different, you know, plants, mm-hmm. animals, critters, all that. They, more than anything, they actually strongly affect how well your soils hold together, how well they aggregate. And it mm-hmm. really does change your organic contents of your soil more than anything. But depending on what kind of climate you live in, depending on what kind of, you know, weather and sunlight and whatever that you'll have, different types of precipitation, you'll get different types of critters and therefore mm-hmm. get different types of soil. So it does affect mm-hmm. it just in a different way. Mm-hmm. The that fourth factor that really defines how soils are formed is topography, which I think that also probably makes sense to a lot of people. If you're on the top of the hill or if you're on the side of a hill, you're going to have really different types of soils, you know, which makes sense mm-hmm. because one is exposed to more elements. One may be kind of like hidden, you know, or, you know, it's in like a little gully. It may be like protected more or maybe more tree mm-hmm. cover or something like that. But yeah, topography makes a big difference when you're getting your different types of soils. You'll have different developed types of soils to the point that we even came up with the word colluvium, which is for stuff that slid down the hill and collected at the yeah. bottom of it. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it does, sense, no. it does make a difference what kind of deposits you'll end up getting at those places. Mm-hmm. The other thing it does affect is uh, sunlight in particular. It'll affect what kind of sunlight you get and then what kind of plants you'll have growing and what kind of critters you'll have growing in that area. So mm. topography does make a difference in that way. That's true. And then the last thing, I want you to guess, what's the last factor that you think will affect what kind of soil you get? Because we talked about parent material, we talked about climate, we talked about critters, we talked about topography. What's the only other thing that we would have in a mix that would change what kind of soil you get and how well developed your horizons would be? Yeah, you've, I was going to say, you've spoken a lot about time being a factor. So, yes. like, newer soils are more mixed, and soils that are older and more established are, like, more stratified. Like, they have yep. more uh, distinct layers or whatever. You are 100% correct. Time is really the last factor, and it really just changes. You know, younger soils are, you know, they're less mature. They don't really know what they're doing yet. They don't know what they're about. They're trying so, to figure themselves out. Yeah, they're just trying to figure it out. And so they're, you know, all mixed together. They have a lot of feelings. But when you get into the older soils, they've already, they know what they're about and they've already settled into a comfortable routine and they leach whatever is going to be leached. They've already kind of divided (laughs) out all of their different layers. You know, they're fine. They're, Mm. they've already decided what they're all about. So that's the kind of soils that we have over time. But yeah, just as kind of a recap, soil physical properties, we talked about their texture, which is like their, you know, composition of sand, salt, clay. We talked about their structures, which is how they clump together into PEDs. We mentioned that word, PEDs. PEDs. We talked about, we didn't really talk about this, but their color. Their color, unsurprisingly, mm-hmm. changes yeah. depending on, we've, I think anybody has seen this, if they've ever looked at dirt, sometimes it's different colors in different <laughs> places. So it depends mm-hmm. on your parent material. It depends on how much more organics you have. If you have a lot of organics, it's very dark in color. Mm-hmm. It means it's very yummy for plants. Mm-hmm. They like that. If you have a lot of water performing alleviation. With an E, mm-hmm. it means that you're transporting, you know, your minerals kind of deeper in your soil horizons and you end up with this kind of gray, white look to oh, your white soil. Layer. We also talk about the density, your bulk density of your soil, your porosity, so how much pore space you have. If you have higher porosity, do you think you'll have lower or higher density? Do you think it'll be more dense or less dense if you have more pore space? L- less dense? Yes. Because it's, you know, you have more space, you have more air pockets, so of course it'll be less dense. 
And in the pores, you can have water or gas, yeah. right? That's yeah. what you're saying. You can have water, gas, you can have critters, you can have all sorts of things. But <laughs> critters, the point is, right. is that yeah. there's space, you know? Yeah. And then another physical structure that we talk about for dirt is consistency. So it's basically the ease with which you can crush those structures, those pads. <laughs> how well, mm. how easy are they to be crushed? If they're harder to crush, that's a different consistency than if they're easier to smush. So. Is a pad like. Like, if you imagine, like, a big chunk of land, is a ped, a ped is, like, a three-dimensional, like, object yeah. in the soil that's, like, one sort of, like, composition. Like, I can imagine, like, the cross-sections of the layers, but I feel like a ped, I don't under, I don't, I can't, like, so visualize what So, if that you, means. have you ever just stuck your hand in dirt? <laughs> okay. Yes. So, when you are gardening, Ellen, Like, when you, like, when you're gardening, up, and you're yeah. going through the potting soil... And you, like, uh-huh. pick up a chunk of it with your hands. And you know how, like, uh-huh. if you shake your hands, like, loose stuff will come out, right? Yeah. You shake your hands and you basically become, like, a, you know, like, you're like you're mining for gold and you, like, shimmy the pan, you know? Yeah. So you'll have, like, some of the chunks will be stuck together. hmm Does that make sense? That's a ped. Yeah. Okay. That's a ped. That's all. It's not even it's as not, complicated it's as not I scary. Nope. It's not scary <laughs> at all. It's just, it's just saying, like, the chunks, the clumps, together. the clumps of soil that can hold themselves together. Okay. Exactly. I see. Yeah. And, yeah, and that makes some sense. of them will have actual structures to them. Again, it just depends on what kind mm-hmm. of, you know, mineral components you had in your in your rocks, really. It'll change. Mm-hmm. And also, like, what content of your – I mean, it all really comes down to chemicals. But, you know, the chemistry mm-hmm. of your rocks that were your initial rocks that got, you know, destroyed over time. Mm-hmm. So. So consistency, peds. Mm-hmm. So little hunks of rock. Those are your peds. Little hunks of dirt. Oh, my bad. Yes. The hunks of dirt. <laughs> okay. So the last thing I talked about consistency and then the last kind of physical property I want to talk about when it comes to soil is tilth. So T-I-L-T-H. Tilth. Okay. So tilth is actually the ability for plants to use the soil. So if the hmm. soil is really high in clays and they can't take root, it's got a low tilth. It's not good. Hmm. But if it has that ideal, that little primo 40-40-20 mixture that we call loam... <laughs> If it has uh-huh. loam, it's a loam soil, and there's, you know, a nice mixture of water and and mm-hmm. organics and, and oxygen and other types of gases available to Nitrogen. it, and the, and the beautiful mm-hmm. plants are very excited about it, that would be a very <laughs> nice high tilt value. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I know that we're probably overwhelmed here. We have learned a lot about dirt today. But the last thing I wanted to talk about is... It's interesting, but also maybe the thing that, like, the thing that people, when they study soil petrology, want to rip their hair out the most about. So, (laughs) soils are classified into a taxonomy, Mm -hmm. which is the same as, you know, the animal kingdom. We have a taxonomy for that. Mm -hmm. So, a taxonomy is just a way to classify organisms or things in a systematic manner mm-hmm. and it's just using science we a lot of people when think of taxonomy we think of animals so we think mm-hmm. of you know our genus and our species for an animal but in dirt we also have a taxonomy because scientists mm-hmm. just can't be easy we can't just be like that's red dirt you know what i mean like that's just not <laughs> how it happens so right the united states department of agriculture the usda their system for soil taxonomy factors in climate, it factors in vegetation, it factors in maturity, 
and what type of soil horizons you have, which are, again, O, organics, A, mm-hmm. topsoil, E, mm. alluvation, alluvation, mm. B, subsoil, <laughs> C, <laughs> which is? No, B is subsoil. No, so I said sub subsoil. It's like the mix of rock and parent material. (laughs) Parent material. I was gonna say it's the mix of like soil and parent material. And then R. (laughs) Which is bedrock or whatever. Rock, yeah. Regolith. Regolith, yes. Yes. Regolith, but bedrock. So depending on all of those factors, the USDA describes and has classified there are twelve basic soil orders globally. Okay. Now the thing is, I clarify that it's the USDA because that's a system that I learned. I don't know if it's different mm-hmm. in other parts of the world. So if you know soil, you know, different soil horizons or whatever, we would, I would love to hear it because this is what I was taught and it would be nice to learn mm-hmm. new things. But this is what I was taught in school. So I'm going to start off by talking about the baby soil, Intisol, <laughs> E-N-T-I-S-O-L, Intisol. So all of these are sols, by the way, which is soil. Okay. But Intisols are some of the youngest baby soils. They have it oh, differentiated baby. into horizons. They're very young. They just look kind mm. of a hodgepodge of different materials. They mm-hmm. haven't had time to mature and form their different layers yet. So mm-hmm. enta, that prefix comes from the English for entire. So it's an okay. entire chunk of soil without any differentiated horizons mm. yet. So the next type of soil that I want to talk about is inceptisols. So inceptisols are a little bit more mature. They're a little bit older. They begin, it's a beginning soil. So you're starting, you have an A layer usually and a C layer. Mm -hmm. And you're starting to form a B horizon. So you're starting to get some clays, but it's very weak. And Mm -hmm. usually you can't really, the the horizons in general are not very well defined in this particular type Mm -hmm. of soil. So that's inceptisols. And then the next up is mollisols. So mollisols like mollify, very soft. You know, it's a soft way to be. Mollisols are gorgeous they're like a super dark color they're amazing they're very rich in organics and they have an a layer which is deep and also full of organics and we have an o layer Mm -hmm. as well and they have a very a very thick a layer specifically so a very thick topsoil layer which is good Mm -hmm. it has kind of a medium to high clay content so it's a bw to bt horizon so it's like b weak to b strong kind of horizon but these are found mostly in prairies. So like in the prairie in the United States, mm. so in the Midwest, that's why we have the bread basket out there. That's where all of our food is being farmed. And it's because they have this sweet, soft mollusol that's perfect for growing <laughs> plants. Mm. So it's great. The next soil I want to talk about is ultisol. So yes, ultisol. It's the ultimate soul. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, not really. So it's a mature soil. It has good horizons. It has a very clay-heavy B horizon, so it's like a BT horizon. It tends to weather out a lot of its basic elements, so mm. things like calcium so and magnesium. More acidic. Yes, so it's okay. a much more acidic type of soil than mm-hmm. some of our other soils. Okay. And then we have alpha-sols. So alpha-sols are cool because they tend to form in deciduous forests and savannas mm-hmm. and they are mm-hmm. mature they are well weathered soils they have kind of a gray like a very gray color so a lot mm. of the they've been leached of a lot of their elements like a lot of their mm-hmm. 
color causing elements basically so like mm -hmm. a lot of the a lot of what's left is things like quartz and feldspar and stuff like that and they're very high in basic elements so they'll have a lot of calcium they'll have a lot of magnesium in them a lot of iron as well so oxisols are the next one and can you guess why they're called oxisols oh, they have like oxygen in them? it is related to that they are very oxidized so oh, okay. <laughs> what color do you think that these will be uh like red yeah they are very red oxisols are hmm. super red in color they form in tropical and subtropical regions and mm. basically they've been so leached that the only thing that's left in there is like aluminum and iron. And that's like all, mm. nearly all the other elements have been leached out of the soil. So that's why it oxidizes and becomes it's that crazy red, red color. Yeah. Mm. So you see these in, you know, tropical areas I mentioned. You'll also see them like Hawaii has some mm. red oxisols. And they're really interesting to look at because they just don't look like, even like we have red clay here in Virginia. But like. Yeah, but it's like brown, even, red. Yeah, it's not the same. Like oxisols look really different. They look really cool. It's very red. Versus like versus alpha sols who are like the very gray counterpart to that. So if you look up an alpha sol, it'll be, you know, kind of a boring black color comparatively. Oh yeah, it's kind of gray looking. Yes. Alpha refers to aluminum and iron. Yes. Interesting. Okay. It's like ALF. Get it? I don't yeah. know why geologists even, I don't know what they do with their lives. Anyway. There just seem to be a lot of names that are, like, based <laughs> off of, like, the elements that are in a thing. It's just kind of embarrassing. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> so we have, the next one I want to talk about are aridosols. So aridosols are, it's A-R-I-D-I-S-O-L. Do you, can you think like of an, why? Like an arid and dry yes. soil? Okay. It's, it's, uh, it's desert soils. <laughs> okay. So aridosols. It's too dry for many plants to form. So a lot of mm -hmm. times you have like shrubs or, you know, just like bush or cactus or whatever. It may have a something called a salic horizon, which we didn't talk about, but it, a layer of salt, essentially, that's oh. in the soil. And hmm. these only form in hot, dry places. They don't form in cold, dry places. So you wouldn't get okay. this in somewhere like Antarctica, which is a desert, okay. but it's a cold desert, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's cool to see if you see in the, if you ever look up in a redisol, like the horizon, you'll see a, sometimes you'll see that, that salt layer, which is like a white crust layer that you have in the soil. So the next soil that I'm going to talk about is andesol. So this one, I don't think mm -hmm. you'll get with the guessing, but <laughs> andesol is. Like from andesite? No. No. That was a good guess though. <laughs> andesol, like the Andes where you can find a lot of oh, those. Oh, that was my first guess. I just didn't say it. You I was like, it. oh, it can't be from the Andes. Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah, oh, no, I mean, it was named after the place that they found it. So it's <laughs> made of volcanic glass, volcanic ash, the weathering oh. from any of the volcanic material. So it's also mm. kind of, um, it, it becomes only weakly weathered. It's not very, it doesn't have a very defined soil horizon. And it kind of makes sense mm. because volcanoes erupt relatively frequently in geologic time so sometimes you just don't have time mm -hmm. for this soil to develop but yeah how long be... does it take for soil to form it just depends on the type of soil so things like alpha sols and ultisols take hundreds of thousands of years hmm. things like entisols can be like days to weeks you know so mm. it just depends on what kind of you know what kind of soil you have so andesols a lot of times will have either kind of a gray ash layer or they'll have like, they just look really 
they can look really stripey even though or like one solid stripe of color but they just don't have b horizons like they don't have strong clay horizons so that's why they mm. considered them you know more immature the stronger the clay horizon you have the more mature the soil is the more time it's had to settle and do that hmm but yeah you can get really deep topsoil from this type of soil well if it's horizon, like a volcano but... that keeps piling up and piling up yeah so i mean the ash can be you know converted into dirt essentially but <laughs> a lot of times it just doesn't have time to mature to clay I thought volcanic soil is supposed to be really good for plants it is that's why you have a big topsoil mm. and not a heavy clay horizon mm, okay yeah i guess that makes sense and then the color just depends on the composition of the ash so sometimes it's kind of a gray color it can be like a black color sometimes it's kind of a brownish red you know it just again it depends mm. on what's in it so the next one is histosols so histosols are weird, and I think you should look up a picture of them. <laughs> These are soils that are dominantly organic. So they're like just black. They're like almost solid black. Very, very dark soil. But they're found specifically in bogs and moors, oh. peat bogs, mucks, anything like that. Uh, they're <laughs> gross in general. <laughs> but they're super rich in like carbon, right? They like are. Peat bogs very are rich for that. They're very rich in carbon. People can use them to make energy. You can burn it. I mean, it'll be really yeah. sooty, smoky, gross energy, but you can burn it. But yeah, they're very, they're very, very dark. They're very interesting. But yeah, they only form in, in those kinds of areas, in bogs. Hmm. Just looking at like peat chunks and stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are related to cool. peat. So you'll find, you can find peat below this type of soil, if that makes sense. Because it's like oh. more time to compress and heat. Mm-hmm. Peat, mm -hmm. and then below that will be coal. Mm. Coal, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the next one I'm going to talk about is spotosol. So spotosols are very acidic, sandy forest soil. So they're highly leached of their basic elements and they have a strong E horizon. So they have that big like white color of unconsolidated quartz. They'll have like a big strip of white in them. Hmm. They're typically found in conifer forests or boreal forests. So mm. farther north, somewhere that's cold. You don't usually find yeah, these I'm looking, farther south. Seeing it, like on the tip top of Michigan and like in Maine in the US. Places like that. They're also found, yeah, I was about to say they're also found on coastlines because you just mm. have a lot of sand on coastlines. You know what I mean? So sandy forests makes sense that you would get these kinds of spotosols. Hmm. But yeah, a lot of it's leached out. You're left with mainly unconsolidated quartz, so they're very light in color generally. Hmm. But they're interesting. They're an interesting um, soil to look at. And what do we got next? Ooh, ooh, next one. Gelisol. G-E-L-I-S-O-L. <laughs> mm-hmm. That one's cool. So gelisols are soils with permafrost within 100 centimeters of soil surface. They're very specific, very, very cold climate that you get these kinds of soils in. Yeah, within 100 centimeters is like three feet. And you get evidence of something called cryoturbation, <laughs> which is uh, tur like when you get, not turbulence, but like churning of the soil due to frost. So like the freeze and uh -huh. thaw action from mm -hmm. frost. And or you can get ice segregation in the active layer. So like if it's seasonal, you'll have like just, you can see like, a layer that had been affected by ice and then a layer that doesn't. It just depends on like mm -hmm. how deep it is into the soil and stuff like that. 
Um, yeah, jealous soils are really interesting too. I mean, all of these soils are really interesting. I just like dirt. I'm sorry, I can't help it. It's cool to me. I just I can't help it. It's all interesting to me. This is pretty cool. Now, the last soil I want to talk about is wild. Okay, hold your breath, y'all. We're almost done. We're almost. This is the twelfth one. This last soil I'm talking about is called avertisol. It's inverted, kind of. So what happens okay. is soils that have something called not just clay, but expanding clay. So there's some types of clays that if you add water to them, they actually like literally expand like like those shrinking dinosaurs that we had. You know, those pill dinosaurs that are like foam dinosaurs. Yeah. And you melt the pill and the, the dinosaur pops out and uh -huh. then you have a dinosaur toy. It's like that. Shrink, shrinks well clay does that. It expands and contracts dramatically depending on how much water is associated with it. So... Huh. And it's a you, deep A horizon and no B horizon. Yes, it has a very according deep A, Wikipedia. no B. So no... Basically what happens no is the A horizon clay. moves down into the Wait. B horizon. It's so oh. weird. Yes. So no clay. B is Basically, clay. Basically at some times of the year when it's... Like it swells when the when the cracks have formed the A horizon will slip down into there. And so you'll basically have an A horizon on the bottom of your, really? yeah, above your C horizon. So like the soil, uh, not the soil, the clay expands so much that it like pushes the top soil down. Yeah, basically. And it may, you may mm. end up with like a B on top and then an A and then a C rather than the other way around. Mm. Vertisols are interesting. Weird. There's like subtypes of these guys. Jane's not even going into like, no. There's so <laughs> no, here's the thing. So what I just told you, so these are the 12 orders. Now, the thing is, the taxonomy of soils mm. actually goes deeper, just as the soil <laughs> does. So we have <laughs> suborders, which are the next unit down, and then we'll have great yep. groups, and then we have subgroups, group. and then we have families, and then we have series. So it's the same way that you have, like, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. It's very much well, like that. Yeah, what's the handy acronym for that? I don't know if there is or one. Or handy, it not acronym, just, It would be O-S-G-G-S-G-F-S. I don't okay, know. Okay, we'll all work on that for next time. The comments time. come That's up with this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's O-S-O because it's suborder. G-G, like great group. like great groups. S-G, <laughs> subgroup, family, F, and then S for series. Okay. That's a lot, though. It is kind That's of a lot. a lot of classifications. Which, you know, the thing is, these classifications are important, obviously, because, you know, we need to learn a lot about our soils, but something that you may not know, Ellen, but mm -hmm. each state in the United States has its own state soil. I do know. It's very important to know because it's cool. <laughs> and when I was living in St. Louis, they had a part of the science center that they had. They had something called the Grow Pavilion, which was an, a separate building, but it's at the science center. Mm -hmm. And in the Grow Pavilion, it was dedicated mainly to agricultural mm -hmm. science. And they had a wall and on the wall was every single soil profile for the United States. So like every single state soil, soil was on the wall. And mm -hmm. the only one that I know anything about is the Pamunkey. The Pamunkey is the Virginia state soil. Mm -hmm. So the four main rivers that lead out into the Chesapeake Bay, the Potomac, the Rappahannock, the James and the York river, mm -hmm. all four of those have this type of soil right near the mouth of the river like where it connects mm. to the bay and also like okay, a little bit sense. farther up but it's like along their shorelines but mm. yes this soil 
it just sounds ridiculous. The the pamunky is like pamunky. its colloquial name for it. That's not what's ridiculous. What's ridiculous is it's described as a fine loamy mixed, semi-active thermic, altic haplodolph. What's a haplodolph? Haplodolph. <laughs> that's the that's haplodolph. the haplodolph is the that is the type within the suborder or something honestly i didn't memorize that part even though i was supposed to yikes sorry don't call me out teacher <laughs> haplodolph so in haplodolph is actually part is the great group so that's not even all of the definition if that makes sense that's like not even all of it for the pamunkey group we just got down to the grape group so the order is altisol the suborder is something tick i don't know what it is and then the great group is haplodolph haplodolph it's a great name. And when I when I googled Haplodolph, it says Hapl P H A P L is meaning minimal horizonation. Okay, so it's like pretty homogenous. Yes, and then Udolphs is the or Udolphs is the suborder of the Alpha Sols that has a eudic moisture regime. So it's just like it's so specific. I mean, I, think, I mean, I get it because it's like we get very very specific when we talk about animal taxonomy as well. But it still just mm-hmm. like breaks my brain a little bit, which is why I didn't memorize it when I was in school. And I memorized all the characteristics of soil. And I learned that if you touch stuff, you can tell what kind of texture you have based on how gritty it is. That's what I remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Because <laughs> I liked playing with the soil more than I liked memorizing the te- taxonomy. So I'll be honest. Yeah. But yeah, if you are really into taxonomy, you can go down a rabbit hole and all this. It is it's fascinating, but it is a lot. So... You know, my recommendation is if you are interested in soil, you know, go out in your own yard and start digging. It's nice to mm-hmm. learn stuff about your soil. To get a true soil horizon, it's usually about four feet of soil that you actually have to dig down into. And we actually used, when we were in the field, we used these very special, they're like, people have probably seen them if they've ever had to put in a fence or put in a fence post. There's like these, they're like shovels almost that have a circular bottom that you like twist into a soil and it has like a corkscrew motion into it so you can actually like twist further and further down into the soil and then pull Mm -hmm. out an entire horizon with some struggle there's definitely a struggle involved with pulling (laughs) dirt out of the ground in a four feet of dirt yeah yeah yes with Uh, some struggle there's there is some struggle some praying to the clay gods had to be done to get this soil out of the ground that's why they have machines for that for um, construction purposes or whatever. Yeah, no, we did them by hand. So <laughs> just yeah, saying. Of course. Um, but yeah, if, you, if you're interested, you should check out your own dirt in your yard. Or you can Google and find your own soil horizon. Or if you want to learn more things about other geology topics, you can listen to our other episodes. Yes. Yes. And if you have questions, you can send us a DM or tag us on Twitter at SaidMyDearPod. You can send us um, messages or comment on our Instagram, which is also said my dear pod. You can send a message to our website, which is sedimentarymydear.com, or you can send us an email to sedimentarypodcast at gmail.com. Ooh. Woo. Lots of ways to contact us. Mm-hmm. You can keep asking Jane questions. Yes. I can't answer them. I read them and I'm like, that's cool. And then Jane answers them because she's our resident person who knows <laughs> things about geology. <laughs> well, you know some of them. You can answer some of them. I knew Andesol. I underst- I guessed Andesol, right? You did. I was proud of you. In my head before I said the thing I was, that was wrong. <laughs> I'm becoming more knowledgeable about geology every day thanks to these this podcast these podcasts. 
What are we going to talk about next time? Well, I'm going to keep it a surprise from our listeners. Okay. Because okay. I haven't decided. All right. I hope you learned some things about dirt today. <laughs> I did. <laughs> There's a lot of different dirt. And I learned about the dirt that's in the soil that's where I live, which is interesting. So, yeah. Are you going to yeah. go out and dig up some stuff? Dig up your plants that you just planted? Um, I will be planting plants outside, but it's probably going to, we're probably going to have to add things to the soil and make it better and whatever. You're so. going to definitely have to add things to your soil because <laughs> I know what kind of soil you have in your yard. So good I luck think with most that. people do. All right, cool. Well, well, thank you for listening. Yes. Thanks for joining us on this dirty journey. And I <laughs> hope you all enjoyed it. And we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Our main source for this episode is The Nature and Properties of Soils, 14th edition, by Niall C. Brady and Ray R. Wheel. Music for its sedimentary, my dear, is provided by Solar Slays. You can find his music at youtube.com slash user slash C-C-F-U-L, S-E-A-S-E-A-F-U-L.